Welcome, everybody, back to the Rude and Edified show. I'm your host, Caddy Elias, and you are joining us for a special episode today, Dating and Discernment. And to help us out with knowing more about Dating and Discernment, we have a special, special guest, Kendra Malley. Happy dance for you. Woo-hoo. Excited to have you on here again. You probably have heard her name or seen her because she has a former episode with us on here. We're so glad to have you back on. If you didn't check out that episode, it is stress management during the holidays. And that episode was made for the Thanksgiving time and Christmas time. But really, I think it can apply to any of the holidays coming up. So go run out and check that out, which is stress management during the holidays. So thanks again for joining us for the second time on the Rude and Edified Show. Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful and blessed to be here. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Now, before we remind you about Kendra and where she's coming from and why she's on today, I want to tell you a little bit more about our podcast. This podcast is part of and sponsored by Beautifully Rooted, which is a Christian mental health and education corporation. You can find information on that on Facebook, on Instagram, or our website, which I'll tell you about in just a few seconds. The Rude and Edified Show is a fun-loving, no-facade, conservative Christian worldview show for men and women who want to hear real-life testimonies that point to the power of God, who want to discuss interesting topics and topics that apply to you, and also who want to enjoy talents within the church and to discuss theology, of course. We want to help encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and more mature in your walk, with a few laughs on the side, if that's possible. As a reminder, we put out an audio and a video podcast, so whichever is your preference, it's available to you. If you want more information, if you heard today's episode or any of our episodes and you want to dive in with us, you want to help support us or you want to help volunteer in some way, check out our website, which is www.beautifullyrooted.com. And that is spelled B-E-Y-O-U. Now let's jump in and get to know Kendra Malley a little bit more before she starts this interview with us and blesses us with her information on dating and discernment. Kendra Malley is a licensed clinical social worker. Yay for licensed clinical social workers. Yay. Which means she's a licensed mental health clinician. She has been in the field for over 24 years. She's passionate about dating and marriage, and that's why she's here today. Kendra, can you tell us more about your journey and getting so interested about dating and marriage and just a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show again. I'm very excited to be here. I hope that this topic can really be a blessing to everyone watching. The reason why I am so passionate about dating and marriage is because, number one, my own experience, which we'll talk about, and number two, as a mental health clinician, we see really in our field the effects when people don't do things God's way. I'll share first about my own experience. I've been married for 18 years to an amazing man of God, but prior to that, I was single for a long time. I was in 11 weddings, and most of my friends got married before me. I was just getting to the point where I was very discouraged. I felt that God had forgotten me. You know, it really took a blow to my self-esteem. And really, uh, there were some times I really felt like compromising because I just felt like God wasn't going to bless me in that way. The number two reason that I'm passionate about this is because of the field that we're in, the mental health field. In our field, we really, up close and personal, we see the impact of when marriages aren't not done in God's way. I'm very grateful to be here and share about my experience and hopefully bless someone out there who might be struggling with this. Let's start off by learning more about you and about this amazing man that you dated and married for now for 18 years. Can you tell us more about your own experience in that dating and how you feel about marriage now? Do you still like it? The answer is yes. I better say yes because my husband's going to watch this. But no, absolutely, sincerely, I, I love being married. I'm very grateful to be married. But one thing I want to emphasize is that being married, being single, whatever season in life you're in, we need to have contentment no matter where we are. And I know what some of you are thinking, because I was, when I was single, when people would say, oh, pray or be content, I was like, I would get a bit frustrated. So I know that's something that single people can struggle with, is to feel that people are really not understanding where they're coming from. Even though I've been married for 18 years, I really still remember that time in my life, and it really had an impact on me because I was so depressed. I felt that God had forgotten me. It was just to the point where people were saying things like, well, you're always a bridesmaid, never a bride. There was a time when I was in one wedding, and someone was bringing me the dress to wear in the next wedding. I understand it's a heavy burden to feel that God has forgotten you, to feel that you're all alone. But again, just be content with whatever season in life you're in at this moment. 
Definitely being content is a Christian principle in general. Paul tells us that he can be content in every situation, which implies that we should be content in every situation. And we know that the Lord is enough. It's just figuring out how to get there, which we'll talk a little bit about about today. Before we jump into that, can you, uh, maybe something a little bit fun, can you tell us how you and your husband met and maybe about your dating experience? My husband and I were set up on a blind date that never happened. We had mutual friends who wanted us to go on a double date, but they never planned the double date. My husband had my phone number and he called me and we had two very awkward conversations. Fast forward a year later, we were both at a Valentine's dance at church. There were about 500 people there. I was walking through the crowd with my friend and I see this man who later became my husband. He was talking to my friend's fiance at the time. And I said to her, oh, he's really cute. And we started talking and quickly realized that we were the people that had been set up on the date that never happened, that had spoke on the phone a year earlier. After that, you know, we started talking, we started spending time together, and we dated for about a year, and then we got married. You know, I know it sounds like one of those television uh, movie (laughs) type of things, but really that was a long time in the making from all the dates I had gone on, all of the mistakes I had made. Really, I want to emphasize to everyone that everything happens in God's season. This episode is for adults of all ages. However, for this next question and what I would like to ask you, I'm thinking more about for the younger adults because I've had a lot of younger adults come up to me and tell me, yeah, but dating is different now. We date online. It's really more about hooking up. That's all that they want. And it's just different now. They tell me. And maybe that happens for middle adults and older adults too. I don't know. I just have had younger adults tell me that. What would you say to those younger adults or those people who are having this experience who have lost hope in finding a good partner for a spouse or who feel like it's never going to happen for them? Number one, I would say don't lose hope. The Bible in Ecclesiastes says there's a season for every activity. Number two, I would ask you, what are you looking for? And number three, this is very important. I would say do not compare yourselves to others. One of my really good friends, her name is Nissa. One New Year's Day, we decided to watch the entire Pride and Prejudice series. For those that are younger, there's one that's a little bit more recent with Kira Knightley, but we watched the 1995 version. So in the movie, there's this character called Mr. Knightley, and he's sort of that romance movie hero who comes in and is like the love of the person's life. And after that movie, Nissa and I kept joking about we wanted to find our Mr. Knightley. So that was kind of the first time I made one of those lists where you list what you want in a man. And I remember one of my top three things was he had to be tall because I'm tall. He had to know how to cook and he had to be funny. But the funny thing about it is I didn't mention anything about the person being a Christian. I was a Christian at the time, which is odd. And for me, I kind of think it showed where my priorities were. I definitely have made those lists. When I made a list where it was very short, only a couple things, that's exactly what you get. I finally prayed to the Lord. This is a long list that I'm looking for. These are the long list of characteristics. And I believe because they were in line with what God wanted, or at least that they weren't against what he goes for, that is exactly what he brought to the tea. And what's funny is that my husband has the same story. He made a long list as well, and he got everything that he was asking for. Now, the cooking part, I don't remember asking about that. (laughs) That was probably a good one to add on there, but it worked out well. I want to read a scripture. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's so easy for us to conform to the pattern of this world. Movies from Instagram, from social media. Really, if you think about it, it's all around us. Romance and songs and flowers. All about appearance. All about appearances and all those things. There's nothing wrong with romance. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not the most important part. So back to your original question, when people say they're discouraged, where they can't find anything, it's all about hooking up. If it's all about hooking up, you definitely shouldn't be on those sites if you know that that's what, what it's about. So if you're feeling tender and sensitive, maybe you shouldn't be on those sites? Probably not. Probably not. So back to the scripture, talking about do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's really important because that's where a lot of discouragement can come in. If you're looking for the wrong things and if your mind is not set on godly things, then you will be frustrated. The scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? 
through prayer and Bible study. Really, when you think about it, the Bible has a list for us. One of the lists is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Looking for things like in Galatians, where we talked about the fruit of the spirits. Those are the characteristics that you need to be looking for. Everything else is just, how they say it, it's icing on the cake. But if the person that you're looking for does not have those characteristics, you're looking for the wrong thing. Really, a, a good piece of advice is to be constantly in prayer, not just about, God, please help me find someone, but to be in prayer that God will renew your mind so that you can test his good and perfect will. I love the reminder that sometimes we can get frustrated because we might date a person we shouldn't be dating. It's not in God's will. And so we're let down. It doesn't work out well. We're not equally yoked usually. I think one of your major points is to wait for that person that God has, to have the important characteristics that are needed for a godly spouse. Exactly. You can get frustrated because you're meeting these people you're dating, it's not working out because it's not godly. You're meeting these people you're dating, it's not working out because it's not godly. Sometimes to find that guy that ha or a girl, depending on who's listening, who has all those traits takes a little while. We're not meant to marry every person that we date. It's a process of selection. We don't know what God is preparing in us to be that person that that other person is praying for or vice versa. What we have to remember is that first and foremost, dating is a spiritual issue. Because if you're not happy and content when you're dating, you will not be content and happy in marriage. If you're not content with wherever God has you, you will always be looking to fulfill yourself with things that are external. But if I can drive home any point is that dating is a spiritual issue. I love that point. That is a great reminder. I also love the point you make about not comparing ourselves to others because what God has for you is for you. He may have called somebody else to another season. He may have called those 11 people to their marriage season before, but he had not called you to that. Right. And that doesn't mean that my experience was inferior to theirs. That's right. And that's how sometimes we judge things as human beings. But that's not how God views it. We all have the same value in Christ. We're all made in his image. He gives us value because he created us and he created you just like he created all those loving people who got married. And then you were the person that got married that you had other bridesmaids attending your wedding. So right. that didn't mean that your bridesmaids were inferior to you. These are just different seasons and different places that the Lord puts us. And going back to what we spoke about before, that's a worldly standard. Who is getting married before you? Why do I have to wait so long? Or I must be married to be a woman. I must be married to be a real man. I must have sex to right. be a woman or a man. Right. That's not the biblical standards. That's not the biblical right. standards. Right. So that's something as a single person, I want you to really pray constantly and meditate on the scripture to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, to be in prayer, to be in Bible study. And honestly, that will help you not to be discouraged when you really take on the spiritual perspective. Do you think a good relationship is possible in the times when the divorce rate is so high and nuclear family is not as sacred or respected? When I was doing some research, I looked at one of the top three reasons, and I see this in my practice as well as a mental health clinician. One of the top three reasons that people get divorced is adultery is usually number one, money and communication. Now, obviously, we can't project ahead to see what our lives are going to be like. We don't know every circumstances we're going to face, whether single or married. However, a lot of that is based on a worldly standard of dating and marriage. If we think about what are people basing their attraction to people on, it's usually looks, money. The Bible talks about when you build a foundation on a sand versus building a foundation on a rock. And that's so applicable to dating. How are we building our foundations because that's a huge reason why people end up in divorce, because they don't build a, a good foundation. So to answer your question, absolutely, having a good marriage, finding someone is still possible when you're doing it according to God's way and you're going according to God's standards. I think one of the things that you're saying as well is when you choose a good partner, you have a better chance of a good relationship. Right. Even if you marry a partner that probably wasn't the best for you or is not the best match or most mature, the Lord can still work in that. But what a difference it is through dating when you still have a chance to leave this relationship and it's totally godly. 
it's not against God's law for you to break up in dating. It might be against God's law for you to break up in marriage, which is why you do it in dating. I think of it like this. The more important the job, the more interviews you have to go through. You ever see these high power jobs when you have to, people have to go through maybe like four or five interviews to get the job? That's what we have to see. We're God's children, God's son or daughter. Don't just settle for less. You know, it'd be like you just met someone. They just say a couple of good things and you're like, okay, well, you're hired. Nobody would do that. Now let's jump into more about dating and discernment. Do you think it's really, really possible to get to know somebody through dating? Or do you think that people hide who they are, they get married, and then big surprise about the person's personality? Well, let's define dating. There's going on dates, getting to know people. It may be platonic. And dating, as far as getting to know someone on a more serious level, maybe leading to possibly engagement or marriage. I really encourage dating in terms of just even going out casually with people. I think sometimes people kind of think, oh, I'm just waiting for that one. But you really need to be out there living your life, really not just waiting for the one. Because sometimes what happens with that then is that then we get so excited, there kind of sometimes is a level of desperation that sets in and then we end up making bad decisions. But to move on to specifically to your question, it is possible to get to know someone on the level of dating in order to eventually get engaged and married. When we talk about discernment, discernment means the ability to judge well. So this is taking us back to what are we basing our judgments on? A big thing that we need to really talk about is mental health. If you have any past trauma, childhood issues, anything of that nature, really, really work on those things before even considering serious dating and definitely before engagement or marriage because you will carry those things into your marriage. Sometimes people want to rush to get married, to have sort of that fairy tale. And a lot of times people really see the red flags and skip over them thinking, we will just work that out when we get married. It's the most important thing is that, is that we're in love. That is not true. Please work on those personal things, any type of past trauma before you even consider going into a serious dating relationship. You definitely should be at a place to where being rejected wouldn't break you. If you still have a whole bunch of trauma to process, you might really cling to somebody or you might have a strong reaction, extra, extra strong to that rejection. And that might take you to a place of depression or things like that. Also, some of those past childhood trauma or experiences can influence who you're attracted to. If you grew up in a codependent family and you saw a certain pattern, people can be strongly attracted to that subconsciously even because they're trying to recreate what they're familiar with. That's something you really have to be cautious of because you can inadvertently end up creating more trauma for yourself people who have trauma that that is not processed or other things. It's not always about trauma, but other things that haven't been processed. Maybe they learned the wrong things. They learned the wrong patterns, the wrong relationship skills, the wrong ways to deal with emotions, whatever it is. When those people are dating and they still have all these things to work through, they oftentimes keep that person that they shouldn't keep around a lot longer. So it's not that everyone doesn't date these people who are not good matches. Everyone dates those people. The difference is people who have learned how to deal with emotions well, how to set boundaries well, how to respect other people's boundaries, what does a healthy relationship look like, or they haven't had trauma that is not unprocessed. Those people, when they're dating these people who are not good partners, they see the red flags, they check them out, and they leave. They usually leave. The people with the unprocessed emotional stuff inside stay. And that's so often why they end up in these relationships that are so traumatic and that keep this cycle going on. We do need to work on these mental health issues ourselves, and it's okay to work on that and then get married a little bit later if need be, if you've got some fundamental things going on there. That's a good point because sometimes people get discouraged because they're like, oh, I keep meeting guys and it's not working out, or I keep meeting this person and I thought they were that person. But that's the point of dating. We have to remember that the point of dating is not necessarily getting married. If you date a bunch of people and you don't get married, that's fine. It doesn't mean that that's something defective in you. That means that you have biblical discernment. That's a good thing, especially if you see red flags and you don't keep going with it. Let's talk about attraction. Sometimes we get really hung up on, well, I really feel a strong connection to this person. When we think about attraction, we think about physical, but sometimes emotionally, we can be so attracted to someone. And then our emotions can deceive us to thinking that if we're attracted to someone, if we feel a strong emotion towards them, that that's something that's indicating that that's the one for us. That's a great point. Exactly. Sometimes people are attracted to things that are not healthy. You know, there's that saying about a moth is attracted to a flame and then it's burned. Is that Janet Jackson? I think moth she, to a flame. 
yeah, burnt by the fire? I, I think so. But it's true. Just because you feel a strong yearning for something, a strong connection to something, that does not mean that's something that God wants for you. That's right. And Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that we're not supposed to trust the heart. The heart can deceive us. The heart is deceitful above all things. And I know maybe it sounds like so mysterious, but again, when we look in the Bible, we can look at what is a godly character. Back to the point of, are we able to really get to know someone? We absolutely can. Part of that is looking at their character over time. Are they consistent in their actions? Are they consistent in being a Christian? Are they kind to people? Are they kind to you? Those are very concrete things that we can look at and be able to get to know people. And I completely agree with you. When I met my husband, I knew within 10 minutes that my husband and I would get married, but I had him assess and I was like, okay, it's probably this way, this way, and this way. And I was right, but I still checked it out. And it was, it's so important. Some of the things that I learned is that you need to see how somebody is when they're angry. You need to see through that dating how they are when they are embarrassed. You need to see all these things so that you can know their true character. And I do believe it is possible to see their true character through dating. Now, you might multiply that a little bit more as you get married about, you know, they might just be a little more of what you assessed once they're married. There are some deceivers, but actually, if you were to take a few steps, you usually can see those red flags. And that's why it's so important to have people around you also. And one of the other things that I learned is when you're trying to learn the character of somebody else was to really listen to what other people say about them. That's a good point. Their friends, family members, when you meet them, a lot of times the friends will be joking. They'll always try to bag on them or say something about them, but you need to listen because what they're probably joking about is probably true. And you need to hear from the family the things that corroborate what the person you're dating says. So now you know they are honest. I remember I used to go on dates and already I would be already sizing this person up. Sometimes you're like, oh, this person's great. They're nice. You know, I know her from church. I think we have to be careful with that too. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean that they have a good character. So there's no substitution for time. And like you said, seeing people in different contexts, in different seasons, seeing how they deal with anger. I think those are all amazing points. Continuing along what we're talking about already, the next question I would have for you is, what would be some more tips or general rules that you can think of to keep in mind while dating so that someone can get a really good idea of who you're dealing with and who you're dating? A really important thing, like I mentioned a little bit ago, is don't think of the outcome. Because sometimes we're already thinking, okay, we, we're working backwards. Oh, this is my husband. Now I'm trying to fill in all of the things and to confirm it. Really start from the point of really getting to know someone and really taking your time and not thinking of the end result. Number two, is I think we talked about this, take your time. Do not rush things. I think that's a really great point. Not being so focused on marriage that you would overlook a whole bunch of qualities that you should not keep. Another important thing is seeking advice from godly couples, people that you see an example who are already living out the Bible in their relationship. That's very important because sometimes we want to seek out and hear what we want to hear. And the Bible says, you know, we want to hear what our itching ears want to hear. That's valid because sometimes we don't want to hear what we don't want to hear. But you really have to be open to listening to what other people are telling you and because they care about you and they're trying to give you godly advice. You really need that strength of being able to face that this relationship may not work out when you're at the beginning because you're going to need those skills, that emotional strength to carry you out throughout the relationship anyway. That's a sign that you have some sort of emotional maturity to be able to handle that. Also, a really important point is to know yourself. I remember back in the day, there was a movie, Jerry Maguire, where it was like, you complete me. And really, no one should be completing you except for God. The purpose of a wife or a husband, a spouse is not to complete you, is not to fill in the gaps of, you know, whatever you were lacking in your childhood, is not to help your self-esteem. And it's not going to fix whatever was broken when you were single. Right. I talked about my friend Nissa. I asked my friend Nissa this question. I asked a couple of my friends who have been married for 15 years or longer these questions. And they all had a lot of this insight that I'm sharing with you as well. And she said it was really important to really know yourself, because if you don't know yourself, how do you know what you want in someone else? How do you know what type of wife you're trying to aim to be? When I think of knowing yourself, I think of knowing what is you want and don't want, Mm -hmm. what is permissible, what's okay that you can work with because nobody is perfect, and what is absolutely not, cannot move forward at all if these things aren't in line. Any thoughts on how long someone should date? Is there a better length of time than another? I think as a general rule, if we're talking about dating that's leading to engagement in marriage, there are certain things that should be in place. One of the, a huge one is communication. How do you communicate with this person? Do you actually get along? Do you actually like each other? Are you friends? How do you work together? Do you work well together? Another one is, um, are you open with each other? I think if you're, you know, like I said, if you're leading towards engagement in marriage, 
there really are certain things that you should be sharing with each other. Now, some of these might be in the company of a spiritual couple that's mentoring you. It might be in therapy, depending on what your needs are. Another thing is, this hugely important, is to talk about expectations. Expectations are, what are we hoping to have as an experience in marriage? What are our ideas or expectations about how a wife or husband acts? What, I mean, these day-to-day things are very important. Important thing is to talk about finances. You know, it may be someone stays home, someone works. What are your, you both need to be on the same page about this. Do you both work? How many kids do you want to have? Things like that. Another thing is, uh, and again, this this one might be closer to the time when you get married, but to talk about intimacy, and that's intimacy is not just physical intimacy, it's emotional intimacy, vulnerability, and the physical part. That needs to be spoken about. Again, that might be in the supervision of a more experienced Christian couple that's mentoring you, or it could be in the with a therapist. Another thing is to talk about the past. I think we touched on it a little bit, and values. As being a Christian, you should have most of the same values, but there may be things that you value that you have expectations about in terms of family life, in terms of all types of different things. So it's very important to be on the same page about a lot of those things. And I wouldn't move forward unless you're really on the most, for the most part, on the same page. And I think it's important to remember that having good communication doesn't mean that you just are always positive with each other. I think communication includes being genuine, being able to discuss mutually the things that are in the heart, even the tough stuff, not just always positive, but the tough stuff that comes up. And then also making sure that you know what you're able to tolerate. And you need to have a good assessment of the person that you're dating so that you can realistically tell yourself, can I take these things? Because you're going to be married to this person for a long time. And it's okay to tell yourself no and to cut that off. Or it's okay to say, yeah, I could. The Lord has given me extra grace for this particular thing. When you're talking about communication, it made me think about my husband because that was one thing I noticed about my husband when we were starting to get to know each other and develop a friendship was that he really was sharpening me spiritually. I mean, he was really calling me out and out of love or certain things about my character. And that was something that I really felt like he cared about me as a person, as a friend, but he really cared about me spiritually enough to challenge me on things and not necessarily always agree with me on things. And I think that brings up a really great point about watching how you are developing and how your relationships are developing outside of your dating relationship. Because when you're dating somebody that's a good spouse for you, that would be a good spouse, typically you're going to see you grow, grow closer to the Lord, and your relationships with your family and friends are going to deepen and get better. Maybe not in the dating process, you know, in the very beginning when you're just spending all your time with them. But in general, you should be developing spiritually in your character and growing closer to God. And the last thing that I was thinking about you want to check out the emotional maturity of the other person. Sometimes people aren't very good about handling their emotions or responding to yours when you're vulnerable. And sometimes they have trouble being vulnerable themselves. You need to check that out in advance. Those same communication techniques and ways that they behave are going to carry over into your marriage. Some people think that you should test out your sexual intimacy in dating so that you can know whether you'll be okay in marriage or not. That is not a Christian value. That is not a Christian principle or belief. What would you say to that? Is that necessary? There is nowhere in the Bible that sex outside of marriage is approved of or sanctioned. That's biblical. And like you said, some people want to say that's outdated or whatever value they want to put in it. But Or how can I live with somebody right. sexually that we're incompatible, but I should have found out before? Right. So that's definitely a worldly concept. And, you know, I think we all can see that the way that the world talks about sex and sexuality is very different from what the Bible says. The world, even now, there's a new term that I heard where people talk about, well, this is my body count. That means the number of people that you have had sex with. Let's replace that with biblical words. So if we, what is the body count? It's how many people have I been sexually immoral with? I don't think people would go around saying that. We have to replace biblical principles with what the world's presenting to us. I mean, it's really to the point where purity is seen as negative. People kind of mock it. I mean, we're even to the point where people in, in the world really celebrate sexuality by dressing with not many clothes on or things like that. Also, sexual compatibility is not a biblical concept. And even if you feel like you you know there's physical pleasure with someone, that doesn't mean that you're spiritually compatible. Let's look at what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, the Bible says, flee sexual immorality. 
all other sins that a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So we see there, we just sometimes people say, well, sex is just a physical act. But as we see here, sex, it says that we're sinning against our own body. When you're having sex with someone, you're joining with them physically and emotionally. And biblically, really, that's supposed to happen in marriage only. I found a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I feel like really explains this well. It says, the Christian idea of marriage is based on Christ's words that a man and wife are to be regarded as a single organism. The male and the female were made to be combined together in pairs, not simply on the sexual level, but totally combined. The monstrosity of sexual intercourse outside marriage is that those who indulge in it are trying to isolate one kind of union, the sexual union, from all other kinds of union which were intended to go along with it to make up a total union. The Christian attitude does not mean that there is anything wrong about sexual pleasure any more than about the pleasure of eating. It means that you must not isolate that pleasure and try to get it by itself any more than you ought to try to get pleasure of taste without swallowing and digesting by chewing things and spitting them out again. As a consequence, Christianity teaches marriage is for life. Too much times when we introduce physicality, whether that be kissing, heavy petting. I mean, let's be honest, a lot of it is not just about the physical act of sex. It could be just anything because people say, well, if I haven't gone all the way, then that's not sex. But it's anything that's impure, that's a, that's causing a sexual feeling even. And that could include a broad range of things. There's no space of that outside of marriage. Because the thing is, especially if you introduce that too early in the relationship, you may not know if that person is for you. And that can be damaging. Our body houses the Holy Spirit. The Lord takes these offenses very seriously. And I think you probably have a lot of scriptures, right, that you wanted to, to remind us about of how important this can be. And just keep in mind that if you have a good partner who you've already vetted and you've already decided that they are in it for the long haul, they want to be married to you, and they want to work on that marriage, if ever there's some sort of incompatibility or some sort of issue that comes up sexually, they will work those things out. And if there's something that needs to be taken to the therapist's office because of past traumas, they will do so because they care about their relationship. I have some other scriptures that you can study on your own time about this, because I feel like of all of the points, this is very important. One of them is Hebrews 13, 4, 1 Corinthians 7, 2, Colossians 3, 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, 1 Corinthians 7, 2, and 3, and Galatians 5, 19, and 21. It's a long list for you guys to go back, and you're going to be so edified, and it's going to build you up so much to read through these scriptures, and maybe even lead us into the next question, which is, what are some ways that people can get better in their discernment? I have a scripture to lead with that. Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. It's really important to really maintain, even throughout trying to get to know someone, trying to meet people, it's really important to, for you to be in prayer in the Bible and asking for God to guard your heart. Prayer and being in the Bible is a great way to consistently be able to discern what God's will is. And you told us Romans 12, too, is exactly that. Right. It's renewing, the, having our minds renewed, then we will be able to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. And also it's, it's really important not to compromise your standards. You have to really decide what your standard's going to be. Your standard has to be the Bible, and you really have to stick with that and not compromise on that. So is that like be prepared? Don't be caught off guard? Don't be caught off guard. Also, something we haven't talked about yet is the role of Satan in all of this. Satan's tactic, Satan's lies, are always to get us to doubt that God wants the best for us. It's always to twist God's word. And you really have to really be on guard about that because this isn't really not about dating or you getting married. This is really about your soul. He's going to take every opportunity. And even when you get married, that's a whole different set of circumstances that you have to face. So I want really people to understand that marriage is not like a promised land and then, oh yeah, you're coasting for, you know, for through life. It's just a different season of your life. While you're in the season of being single, you really, really need to guard your heart and you really, really need to not compromise on your standards. And I think something to remember is that you need to be diligent about these things. That's one of the ways that you can increase in your discernment is being consistent in prayer, be consistent in reading your Bible, being consistent in worship in worshiping the Lord and asking the Lord for wisdom. The Bible tells us in James 1, 5, that he will give us wisdom if we ask for it, but do not doubt. 
also, I think being around people who have good relationships, godly couples who can pour into you where you can see what a godly marriage looks like can be helpful. Because when you know what a healthy relationship looks like, you can tell when something is unhealthy. And then you'll know, okay, I think I need to do something here. But when you are around all broken relationships, people who don't deal with emotions very well, that is sometimes our circumstances. That is what we grow up in. But if that is all you stick to, you might have trouble discerning what is good and what is okay. You really want to be around godly couples, around godly people, around people who have healthy relationships. If you don't know where that's at yet, obviously I would say get plugged into your church community and God willing, there will be people in there that have that, but get plugged into a therapist's office with somebody who's very balanced. Sometimes that can be very helpful for you. There are also books that are out there. There are workshops. There's a lot of things out there, a lot of studies on relationships that I would say jump in. Okay, so let's start off with some of the negative things and red flags that people should be looking out for. What are some signs that you should not date a person or continue dating a person that you're already dating? Number one is if they're not a Christian. If they're not a believer, then that's a deal breaker. Or if they say they're a Christian, but they're not attending church. Right. They're not attending Regularly. Church. Or even if they are attending church, if you don't see their character consistently reflecting the Word of God. And the fruit of the Spirit. You don't the see the, the fruit of the Spirit being developed and portrayed something might be going on in here. Another huge one is if the person does not have boundaries themselves or if they don't respect your boundaries. So a big part of that is first having boundaries yourself. We talked about before, if you have any past trauma or if you grew up in a relationship where you were exposed to, and you had this on your show recently, where you grew up with abuse or alcoholism or drug abuse in your home, you know, I would really recommend that you see a therapist to work those things out before you move forward in a relationship so that you won't bring those unhealthy patterns into your relationship. And then once you establish understanding what healthy boundaries are, then you should not date someone who does not respect your boundaries. Let's say, you, you know, you set a boundary for no you know, physical contact in your relationship, waiting till you get married to have sex. And the person really wants to push that and say, oh, well, let's do this or let's, you know, we're going to get married anyway. That's a deal breaker. That's why it's important not to skip ahead and think the goal is getting married because if someone's not respecting your boundaries physically and sexually, then that really does create trust issues. If you can't trust that person to lead you spiritually, but to not violate your boundaries, how are you going to trust them as a husband? as a father of your children one day. And I think that's a great point to think about that if they're not able to respect your boundaries in that way, they might not be able to respect your boundaries in many other ways. And that is going to come out in marriage. And, and think about your children. I, I think that's one of the things that can help motivate you to do the right thing is remember that how you're, this person that you will end up marrying, how they treat you is, and what characteristics that they lack in, those things are going to translate to their parenting as well. So if they have trouble with you, they're probably going to have trouble with their children. And if they have trouble respecting your boundaries, they're going to have trouble respecting your children's boundaries. Another thing is, is your relationship just based on superficial things? We talked about this. Is it just based on the fact that you're both attracted to one another? And have you not built that spiritual foundation where it's just based on sort of these external things? And I think one of the reasons why God has marriage is that we end up chiseling each other and marriage is going to bring things deeper. So if you're superficial, you're going to really see the holes then. Another thing is a pitfall that people fall into is thinking this person has potential. Well, they're not a Christian, but they have potential, you know, or I can change them. But we think about that scripture, do not be unequally yoked. I don't know if you know what a yoke is. A yoke is a metal bar that you put on two animals and the purpose is for them to go forward together and plow the fields. They use this example in biblical times because that's what they could relate to back then. It's not referring to the yellow part of the egg. Not that. It's yeah, referring it's to the yolk. part that they use. Right. <laughs> Sometimes Satan wants to deceive us to think, well, this would be a great opportunity to convert this person. And then, hey, I get a wife and a convert to Christ. But what happens is it's the other way around. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We can deceive ourselves in thinking as Christians, well, we'll just influence them to come to the Lord. But the Bible says different. The Bible says that that person will pull us away and we will be the ones to be corrupted. That's a, a great point. I think we really need that reminder. I usually say, I think the Lord almost never uses the person that that person is dating to convert them. Almost never. Somebody else will be doing that work, but that means that person is not for you. And that doesn't mean you wait around until they convert. You go along your business and the Lord will probably bring somebody who's already prepared. And if he wants him to come back around, him or her, after they have converted, then he will do so. 
A few other things I was thinking about that came to mind that I think are humongous red flags. Anger. Anger is humongous. You should not proceed to deepening your relationship until you have seen how your person you're dating responds to anger. It is very important. We can all be very nice when everything is going well. What you want to see is that true character when things are not going well, when they're stressed, and when they're angry. Another thing I think that you should look at is do they have other relationships in their life? If you're dating a person who has every relationship broken, there are no ties, they don't have people in their corner that are rooting them on, that are willing to stick around, I think you need to take note. There's always an exceptional case, but you really need to look at why. Why does this person not have any long-standing relationships, friendships that are built in that are appropriate? Why don't they have people that are willing to invest in them or to stick around? Sometimes it's because they have burned their bridges. They are difficult people to be around. They are difficult people to stay in relationship with. When you can see those things in advance, you don't have to be that person that finds out that they're really hard to stick around with. A good point in that, and we've been saying over and over again during this time, is really not to get emotionally attached. The dating period is not the time to get your emotions wrapped into it. The dating period is a time for evaluation. And then, of course, then you have to have love and you can have romance and, and all of that when you are getting engaged and going on to marriage. But think of the dating period as an interviewing time. A few other things would be to look at, are they able to be vulnerable or do they avoid it a lot? Are they able to tackle tough subjects? Are they able to tackle difficult situations? Are they able to continue and be resilient when things are stressful or not? You need to be dating long enough to where you can see those instances come up because they will come up. There's no person that doesn't have those things come up. So if you just wait long enough, you will see those things. When you're dating, you are seeing the person at their best. They're well-dressed. You're going on the date. Everybody looks great. When you live with someone and you're dealing with them, the good and the bad, that's a different circumstance. That does remind me of when somebody comes to the doctor's office and they are abusing their kids to a level of abuse, not just discipline. You know that what's really going on is 10 times or 100 times more than that because most people have some sort of respect or they know to be on their best at the doctor's office. So if somebody is willing to do that, you better believe it's way worse. When you see these red flags during the honeymoon period when they should be at their best and what you're seeing is not good, well, now you can probably multiply that times 100. Another thing that I've seen as a therapist in my work in mental health is that if something is a deal breaker or red flags, they don't go away. A lot of times you'll see people and maybe you've had this experience too in your work as a mental health provider where people are telling you their story and the very thing that was a red flag is 20 years later and that's still an issue. So if you meet someone and you don't see them, they don't have the characteristics that you want. That's not going to change. A few other things I think to look at while you're dating. Do they handle your feelings with care? That's super important. When you're vulnerable and when something that you're embarrassed about, nervous about, stressed about, and you deliver it to them, do they handle it with care? If they're constantly thinking about themselves, talking about themselves, they don't check in with you, it doesn't really appear to be mutual, you need to be concerned. Okay, now let's jump into the positive things. So what are some signs that maybe you should start to date this person, that this person is okay partner, or that you should continue to date that person? So one thing is that the relationship is centered on God and the relationship is focused on God. So some practicals are, do you pray together? Are you doing things to serve people together? Are you talking about God? And that's a huge one because, you, you know, in the relationship, the tendency is to focus on one another. Oh, let me tell you how great you are and we tell each other how we agree, but are you building a spiritual foundation for your relationship? Another one is, are you growing? Are you both growing from that relationship? Do you see yourself getting closer to God from that relationship? Are things progressing naturally or are they forced? And a big thing in that is being genuine and authentic, because unless you're genuine, and authentic, not trying to hide something or not trying to behave in a way that you think the other person wants you to be, then you can't build a genuine relationship and the relationship won't progress naturally. I think, remember those red flags, think about what would be the opposite of that and maybe go for those things. Somebody who is able to handle your feelings with care, is able to walk through tough situations, who is able to verbalize things. That's really important because sometimes we do all this imagining in our head about what that person is thinking or where they see our relationship at when you need somebody who's able to verbalize that. And somebody so, so, so important. I want to make sure this isn't underscored. You want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. Somebody who holds a high value and view of marriage. 
somebody who wants to be married. A question to ask when you're dating to help you discern a little bit better sometimes is asking them, if ever we had trouble when we were married and something came up that we weren't able to deal with ourselves, would you be willing to go to counseling with me? And that doesn't mean that counseling is the above all, everything, only solution that people have to take. Even though we're therapists, we know that there are other things like going to your church, the pastor. We know that there are other routes that people can take that are also helpful. And it's so important for you to check out that they would be willing to do whatever it took to fix your relationship. That's the person that you want to marry. And there are men and women who do believe exactly that and who are invested and who want to be in a relationship and want to be in with you and are willing to maintain that. You want to check out that they care about date night, that they care about time with you, that they hold their spouse as number one out of every relationship. I think you also want to check out, does that person match up with you, your beliefs and values about being faithful? What does that look like? Do we have friends of the opposite sex? Are we able to go on vacation without each other? Those are all things you need to check out and make sure it lines up with yours. Being with somebody who wants to be with you and part of the importance of marriage is that we make a public confession that this is the one person that I want to be with for the rest of my life. A green flag, if we could say that, opposite of a red flag would be that this person is able to verbalize that you are their partner that they want to be with. They don't say things like, well, let's keep it just to ourselves. The person that you can move forward with will make sure and will take care for you to know that you are the one and they will have everybody else know that you are the one. Lastly, you want to be with somebody who is able to regulate their emotions, somebody who is able to control themselves, even if you are the person who is triggering them. Finally, the last thing I want to discuss was the saying, better to be single than in a bad relationship. I definitely think that's true. I want to remind you guys, half love is not the same thing as full love. The devil doesn't usually just outright tempt us with this thing that's obviously terrible and bad. He takes some truth and he taints it with his untruth and he makes it to something that's just a little bit recognizable enough and feels enough, but it's just not what God says. And I mean, he did that with Eve. That was the first thing that he did was taint what God said and plant that seed of doubt. So I want to remind you that even if it feels nice for a little bit of time that you're valued by somebody else, that somebody else cares, but they're terrible partners to continue with, or they are not of the Lord, remember that it's better to be single than to go through that. What you will get out of a bad relationship are things that you will have to process and you will have to work through. However, if you remain faithful and waiting upon him, the Lord will bless that. What you get when you go in through a bad relationship, if you ask anybody who's been through a bad relationship, is a lot. I think specifically one of the ways that I wanted to reference this is the devil will make you think that cohabitating is just as good as marriage. When really it's not, it's not the same. And there are things that you will experience when you're not doing it God's way that you won't when you're doing it God's way. And sometimes you just need to hold out just a little bit longer. And again, that doesn't mean don't date. Any thoughts? I think that's a good point because after you wait for so long, especially if you wait in a long time or you have multiple relationships that you perceive are failed relationship, it's easy just to even knowingly in your mind, you know that God would not approve of what you're doing. You but you just don't care anymore because you're discouraged because you just feel like, well, this is just better than being alone. The concept of being alone and loneliness is really a, something that the devil tries to discourage us with. He tries to get us to question God and God's intention and God's love. That's what he did to Eve. He said, did, did God really say that? He made Eve think that God was withholding something from her when really a lot of times God is really trying to protect us. God knows what's best for us. God is our loving father. But sometimes we just get weary and we just say, we don't care anymore. Our standards drop. Don't fall for that temptation. You may be surprised that in marriage, you will also have times when you feel lonely. You will have times when you feel alone. You want to be able to deal with that loneliness when you're single so that you know how to deal with it when you're married. Marriage does include companionship, but it doesn't solve loneliness. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about in terms of not rushing the dating process and thinking that you just have to get to the next level. In every season of your life, the main focus is still going to be the same is to stay close to God. And another thing to consider, maybe the last thing to consider is that you want to remember that you want to be with somebody who has Christian beliefs so that you're on the same page, so that you don't have to explain why sinning is bad, why lying is bad, why adultery is bad. 
and that you have the same goal and that you're working towards. So keep that in mind while you're dating. So let's jump in now after we've had all this discussion into our scriptures section. We've mentioned lots of scriptures. You have mentioned lots of scriptures. Is there a scripture or two in particular that you would like to leave with everybody during our scripture section? I want to share a James 1.5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. And all of this, really turn to God, really ask for God, really believe in the power of prayer and ask for wisdom. Don't just ask, like we talked about having the list, don't just ask for the things that you want. Ask God for wisdom to guide you and have faith and it will happen. Okay. We've talked about a lot of things today. We've given a lot of good points, a lot of, we've talked about a lot of good scriptures. But it, with the scripture, really, I want to take it back to the primary thing is that we need to rely on God, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we have kids, whatever. Again, like I talked about, whatever our season of life is, we need to turn to God. If you're single, don't be discouraged. Ask God for wisdom and don't compromise. If I had to really sum it up, that would be what I would encourage you with. A few scriptures that I thought of, we've already mentioned. I think actually we've mentioned almost all of them. So I'll just reiterate them. One, I don't think we mentioned this, but I, I would like to, would be 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So it is good. Marriage is good. Sex is good in the right context, the way that God has planned. God designed sex. It's not bad. It's not bad for you to have that desire. It's bad for you to act upon that desire in the wrong way. Marriage is good. So while you're dating, you can rest assured that being married is a good thing that you're pursuing. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or that what fellowship has light with darkness. We've spoken a lot about being unequally yoked I just wanted to remind you of which scripture that is that points to that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It is very, that's just to highlight how important it is to discern who you should be dating, continuing dating and marry. Romans 12, 2, which we mentioned, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I mentioned that even though we mentioned it a lot today, because that's one of my favorite scriptures. And the last one was James 1, 5, which, is, which you brought up. So I love that. What would you like everybody to take away if there was one thing that you would like them to take away from this episode today? If there's one thing that I could really, that I would really like everyone to really focus on and remember is that our relationship with God is number one. And really, we have to focus on eternal things and not things of this world. We're in this world. And, you know, I think sometimes we want to have an experience that we see other people have, but we really have to focus on that the main point of whether we're single, whether that singleness leads to marriage, whether we have children, whatever, like I said, whatever season in life we're in, we have to remember that the goal is to be close to God. And as a Christian, that really our goal is eternal salvation and to be with God. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kendra, for coming on today again. It was such a pleasure to have you on here. Such a special episode to discuss this dating and discernment. Thank you also to all of you who are listening, who are checked out this podcast and to those that are watching our video podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, you got benefit from it, you really found something struck a chord and you are encouraged. We are encouraged by you by subscribing and giving us a like following. So that way we are encouraged to continue and that we know that you're out there. We are happy for you to afford our information to those that loved ones that you feel it might benefit. And don't forget to check us out on our audio podcast, which is on almost all major podcast platforms and our video podcast is on YouTube. But don't forget to check us out also on Facebook and Instagram. We will have things on there that you will not find on our audio podcast platforms, small segments, small snippets of the episodes that we've had, information on our guests and what they are presenting, their businesses, things like that. You'll also find some of those things on YouTube as well. If you wouldn't mind, would you close us out in prayer? Absolutely. God, I want to thank you so much for this day. I want to thank you so much for the words that you have put on our hearts to share. I pray that if anyone is out there and they are discouraged, Father, that they will ultimately turn to you because you are the only one that can fulfill us. Lord, I know that the devil tries to tempt us and distract us from the main goal, which is spending eternal life with you. And I know that you want good things for us, Lord. Let us trust you with all of our hearts and rely on your word to guide us as we know that you are a loving God and you only want the best for us. And that may not always be reflected of the things that we want and desire. I thank you so much for this podcast. I pray that it will really touch people's lives and someone will really be blessed by this message. Thank you so much. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. 
All right. Thank you for that prayer. We will see you next time. Ciao.